What's going on? What's going on, everybody? It is the only sports podcast. I'm Will. That's Casino over there. He's got I did, very. See, I know how to do it now. <laughs> He's got very beautiful clips in his hair. Yeah. Uh, was this because of your daughter, or are you just trying a new look? Both. No. Uh, so, just starting to clean up the house a little bit. Uh, we're hosting Easter Sunday. Our house and the house has been a mess because I haven't done pretty much anything since my daughter's birthday last weekend. Um, Which I the house was just, I attended. Yeah, it was pretty nice. It was actually a perfect day. It was the best day in the in in the middle of a seven day stretch. It was the best day by far. It's the best day we've had all yeah. year so far. Anyway, oh yeah, no, yeah, no, it's fantastic. But no, I haven't done anything. I was just picking up stuff, and you find these everywhere because the daughter just throws them on the ground um yeah these clips so i was just like all right i'm gonna start picking them up the clip just started in the hair and i forgot about them no joke until i tried to put on the headset uh before i uh accepted your link for the for the podcast yep and then i was yeah. like oh i have these in my hair i don't know how long i've had them in the hair but it's great um how are you i mean today? i love it it looks it looks fantastic casino thank new you new look thank you. i think you should do this in public yeah I, I would, but the wife would <laughs> immediately. Uh, but yeah, we are recording on Good Friday, which I, which is how you know it's going to be a good podcast casino. Uh, Easter is Sunday, and that is why I must say you are an excellent co-host. Excellent. When did you come up with that one? <laughs> Literally when you said you were having Easter Sunday, and then I remembered that it was Easter and then I just started thinking of that egg pun to say. And you know what? I'm glad I said it. So we are going to, surprisingly, we were doing our little rundown of what's going to happen in the show today. No NFL news. Nothing has really happened in the NFL. There's no uh, Lamar Jackson news, no Rodgers news. The draft Mm-mm. we're still waiting on end of this month, so... It looks like until we get about the show before the draft, NFL news is going to be pretty cold. So, however, we are talking about NBA, NHL, both their playoffs are starting. Uh, yep. But the championship that already did happen in the men's and women college basketball, let's get into it, Casino. Oh, also at the I, end of the show, we're going to do our recap of the picks that we made for WWE. Yeah, buddy. Uh, but oh, that's also true. Uh, WrestleMania was this past weekend. Night one, fantastic. Night two, very hit or miss. But we'll get into that at the end of the show. Uh, so our predictions, Casino. We both had San Diego State making it to the championship, which they did. You, yes. however, picked Miami. I picked UConn. And then I picked San Diego State to win. You picked Miami. I fucking knew I should have picked UConn. I literally had UConn circled. I crossed it out, and then I circled San Diego State. <sighs> well, but, here's well, let's start off with the, the final four. With the let's go Miami UConn first. Um, congratulations, you won on that one. I will say this though, I am still 100. I, I listened to the the last podcast that we did and. You know what? I, I still feel confident with why I picked them, why I picked Miami to advance. So, I mean, it, my opinion. But, I mean, did UConn come out great? They did. They throttled them by 13. There was only one point in this game. Oops, excuse me. Uh, only one point in this game where 
Miami never uh, led, but they did tie at 19. And from there on out, it was just the UConn show. Um, just blew them out the entire. It wasn't even a fun game to watch. That's why we're starting off here. Um, well, with the I, Bucks, go for it. Did we, speaking of UConn, did we undervalue how sneakily, first one of the podcast, how sneakily dominant they were during not only the Big East tournament where, I mean, uh, they ended up losing to Marquette, but they still blew out Providence. But then when they got into the tournament, they did blow out in the first round, blow out against St. Mary's in the second, blow out in the Sweet 16, blow out in the Elite Eight, blow out in the Final Four. Like, I feel like we didn't really give them as much credit as maybe we were giving like San Diego state for their dominance on the other side of the, on the other side of the tournament. That's, I mean, I, I, I can see your point there. It's pretty fair. Um, I never was going to say UConn was bad. No, they were blowing out teams. They did right. Um, I don't think I ever said that UConn was bad, but I think you're right. We didn't going back to the conference tournament. I think we, people didn't really pay attention to them. They knew they would be good, but I don't yeah. think uh, people gave them the credit that they they deserved. But then again, a lot of teams towards the end of the season um, that did okay in the tournament, when UConn being one of them, obviously winning it, they were just, they were striding at the right time. So the focus was kind of on everything. Like, good example, Duke. They were really crappy at the beginning of the season, but as they progressed towards the end, um, the last, you know, obviously they, they did well in the, their conference tournament and then they made a nice little run in the national tournament. You know, everybody was focused on, that was just an example of one team, but a lot of teams were doing that. So I think people are justified for not seeing UConn doing the same thing um, and being like the big juggernaut coming out of it, obviously because they won. But I I felt there was, I was really excited about this national tournament uh, this year. And I felt a lot of teams were really hitting stride. Um, going into it so yeah um well congrats on you um also <laughs> well, congrats no. on uh uh oh, i can never say his i adama senoga uh the guy who plays for yukon yeah i know <laughs> the guy that played for yukon he had a nice uh, he had a nice double double uh against miami 21 points 10 rebounds had a good game um hawkins also had 13 uh miami you only had one player uh, two players of their starting five that actually got into double digits uh, with Wong and Miller. Miller did get a double-double, but the rest of the team, like one of their starters got zero points, didn't do anything. Um, so, yeah, UConn pretty much throttled. Not really too much to talk about that game. It was pretty self-explanatory. UConn started off hot. Miami came back, made it a little interesting for a second when they tied it up, and then they just ran away with it. Um, I will say... Fun. I did watch all this game. I will say the first quarter, it looked like just UConn was just blowing them off the floor, right? Like they just clearly looked dominant. In the second quarter, if you look at it, they both scored 35. So Miami was right there with them the second quarter, but obviously they couldn't overcome just how big of a hole they dug in the first quarter. But I was impressed with Miami coming out of halftime and how like you could see they weren't just like, Clearly, UConn is the better team, but they didn't roll over for them. And they were still like, well, at least make this a game. And that's crazy that even still making it a game, quote unquote, 
they still end up getting blown out by what almost almost 20 points like right i mean the, the two big factors of this though were in, in the rebounds um yukon out rebounded them by nine and mostly off of the the defensive side um so they weren't giving up any second opportunities which miami needed because miami only was 32 percent from the field for the entire game which yukon was almost 50 they're at 49 so those are big things. Miami just couldn't put the ball in the bucket, and they did not give themselves uh, any offensive rebounds to be able to get second looks uh, that they desperately needed. Uh, so that was your big, big outcome of the game. Um, but um, so I'm good with that. Moving over to the other game, this was the real talking point of that Final Four. What a game. Um, Dude, what a game. The, what a shot the, the, at the, the end. The, yeah, the spread for those who don't know, was minus two and a half for San Diego. Guess what? FAU covered. They only lost by a point. This game was (laughs) absolutely phenomenal. And the crazy thing, though, and I feel really bad, was FAU, they were ahead. They So the first half, it was a nice little back and forth. They were pretty close. Uh, FAU did jump out a little bit um, at halftime. but before going into the second half, it was 40 to 33. So seven points, not too far, but, you know, it made it look good. Um, but then rolling on into the second, it was pretty much FAU all the way up till, I don't know, roughly like five minutes left to go in the game when SDSU, let me, I can actually pull that up when they actually tied. Uh, yeah, uh, 428 left to go in the game. Miami, or not Miami, San Diego State ties it at 65. And then it was just a punch, punch, back and forth kind of thing. And it comes down to where FAU, they had about 12 seconds left to go on the clock. They bring it on down. Uh, They're currently up one at that point and tries to go for a nice layup. He gets rejected, doesn't go in. All right, fine. You know, you're you're still up. uh, You're still up two. uh, No, at that point, you're still up one. With six seconds to go, just stop them from coming down and getting any look on anything. You know, don't foul, definitely. FAU played that really, really well coming on down. But then you have Butler, really good inside jump shot. Um, oh, nope. So, sorry. Yep. Uh, Butler, uh, Butler, very good inside jump shot. Um, he had only seven points going into that final shot. And he just does a really nice turn. Everybody's like, Time's running down. Time's running down. Why is he passing the ball? He's covered. Yeah. He's covered. He's covered. And then about with three seconds to go, he makes a really good move to break away from the defender and makes a nice little jump inside jumper, sinks it. SDSU wins by one. Heartbreaker for FAU. Just buzzer beater, heartbreaker. It really felt bad for, for them. I wanted the Owls to, to make it, obviously, for the, the story. <laughs> But what I was, I said it the podcast before, I was really happy that they didn't just throw FAU under the odds and just be like, ah, SDSU, number one defense. They're just going to blow them out. They're going to crush them. FAU, they, they showed why they made the final four and why they, they could have made the national championship was they played phenomenal. They, they SDSU, they just had that better poise of coming back, playing very strong defense, especially as you saw that, that last block before he came butler came down and scored so hats off to him uh bradley over bradley had 21 points 
that team is just a big, massive team. They're very strong. So, yeah, that game was a lot of fun. Um, I And I will say, on the last podcast, uh, we were talking about these two games. I really thought if there was going to be a blowout, it was going to be San Diego State against FAU. Right. But, I mean, True. watching that game and looking at the stats afterwards, they were almost evenly matched, like, across the board. Like, I think oh, right. when you're looking at how the game played out, I mean, free throw percentage, FAU had about 20% higher free throw, uh, like, makes. They had 16 out of 21. San Diego State at 13 out of 22. Literally everything else, like, assists, they're within two. Steals, they're within three. Turnovers, they're within two. Everything else in the entire game, even rebounds, offensively and defensively they're all within three of each other so i've never like i wouldn't say never but it was shocking to me how just well matched these two teams were and i mean it was a one-point game but yeah and everybody else like everybody that that stepped foot on the court except for one bench player for sdsu had buckets um yeah which was awesome the awesome to see like ladie came in uh off the bench for san diego state and he had uh, 12 points, six rebounds, played very well. But then over on the FAU side, like their bench came out and all had rebounds and points. Every single, uh, all four of the players that came off the bench for them. Uh, but their big star was Martin with 26 points, uh, seven rebounds. He was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, yeah. This was even- this game was absolutely just a joy to watch. This is going to go down as a classic. And yeah. Yeah, both teams trying to fight for the first, you know, first time at the national tournament. And it did not disappoint. Well, that's what I'm saying. I was more shocked by how similar the two teams played. Because like you just said, uh, but Martin went off for Florida Atlantic. Johnson went off for San Diego State. And then they all kind of just had the rest of the team kind of just contribute for a couple baskets here and there. Like... The way these two teams played with each other, their style of play, and then how it came down to the end, like it was well, I, I mean, was shocked at how evenly matched they they were. Right. And I mean, and you're talking about oops, sorry. Um, uh, as you're talking about the stats being pretty evenly matched, um, rebounds 34, 35, pretty much right on. Uh yeah. field goal percentage, uh overall, just overall field goal percentage. 44 for FAU and 43.9. Like they were separated by 0.3 on their uh, field goals. Uh, Three pointers, it was 40 and 50. So that wasn't a big thing. Uh, But also the free throws, San Diego State did get to the line a lot. They had 22 attempts. They only made 13. But FAU had 21 attempts and only made 16. So there's your makeup for FAU not hitting a couple more threes. Um, well, actually, hit they hit they hit the same amount of threes, but San Diego shot less on the threes. But uh, yeah, the game was absolutely just a joy to watch, absolute joy to watch. Uh, they both had seventeen fouls, two blocks. Uh, they were separated by one on the turnovers. Uh, assists were pretty much the same. Like this, this this game was so fantastic on both teams being pretty much the exact same. Um, yeah. Yeah, loved it. Now, so um, coming out of these two games on, uh, what is it? I believe these happened Saturday, correct? Mm-hmm. Or were these Friday games? No, these, these were Saturday games. 
because the championship was Monday. Yep. So both these, yeah, both these games were Saturday. So now coming out of these games, obviously we recorded our episode, our last episode on Friday. So we picked both the final four and then who you would thought would go to the championship. You and I, I had San Diego State and UConn going to the championship and then I picked the wrong victor in the end. But you had San Diego State and then Miami. So after you see the... San Diego State close win against FAU, and then you see the UConn blowout of Miami. Did you, in your mind, think San Diego State has this, or were you like, "I'm picking UConn because UConn beat my team"? Yeah, because we, uh, I, I UConn, I had UConn then. After what they did to Miami, for sure. Yeah, obviously that's what I wanted. I didn't personally didn't want SDSU because I'm a true running rebel. Um, everybody's like, oh, they're Mount West. You should cheer for him. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, but no, UConn, they were my pick. I, I, I had said that too. I was like, if UConn does end up in my beating Miami and ends up in, that would be the team that I would be okay with winning outside of FAU winning the national yeah. tournament. That's who I would want to win. So they did. I know that they've won many national tournaments in the past. Their last one, I think was against Butler. Um, I don't know eight years ago, something like that, whatever it was. Yeah. I'm I think fine they had with that. Five. I think this was their fifth one in school something history. Something like that. Um, so, yeah, I just know they've won before. I was okay with it. Uh, but, yeah, they absolutely throttled. I really don't have much to say about the, I mean, the well, national championship that game. Was game. Shit. It, it, yeah. I mean, that game SDSU, was almost – I mean, within five minutes of the game, I was messaging you being like, I knew I should have fucking picked UConn. Like, they just look like a clearly, clearly superior team to San Diego State almost from the get-go. Like, it was, uh, there was not one point in that game where I was like, even when it got slightly close, not one point in that game was I ever like, San Diego State has a has a chance. UConn uh, was I didn't, just doing I still never thought wanted. SDSU was going to – I never thought they were going to win, but I was like, oh, this is actually going to be an interesting last four minutes of the game when they brought it back within five. I was. I thought it was going to be a fun remaining end of the game, still UConn pulling out on top. But as soon as they got back within five, UConn was like, uh-uh, not going to do that. And they scored like a couple buckets immediately and stretched it back out to almost 10 points, and then it was turning into the foul situation. Um, yeah, yeah, really not much to talk about on no. on that end. Um, but I do want to talk about going back to um, over the weekend on uh, Friday night. We oh, not Friday night, uh, Sunday yeah. night. Uh, no, no, I'm talking about Sunday night. We didn't talk about this one. Uh, Sunday night. Well, we didn't we talk about the Friday ones final. either. What's up? For the for the women's, are we moving over to? Oh, women's? we didn't talk about. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about that one. Yeah, because we did the podcast the morning of. Yeah. Um. Just like I said, the one person that I thought could beat South Carolina, Caitlin Clark, she did it again. Another forty-one point game, beat them by five, uh, by four, and then you had LSU beat number one seeded Virginia Tech. Um, in a pretty good game. Both these games were absolutely fun to watch. Um, I know you weren't I, watching probably many of them, but or either one of them. For the but. first time in my life, I watched a full women's basketball. I watched two 
full women's basketball games in my life. The first one was Iowa, South Carolina. And shockingly, it was because at my work, we have two had TVs on. there. Uh, I put one on one TV and then I had, I can't remember what, there was an NBA game on one of the other TVs and uh, multiple people yeah. I worked with and multiple customers asked me to turn both TVs onto the women's uh, it's South good. Carolina. It got yeah. good. Yeah. No, and I, I watched the whole thing. It was, that was a great game. Like, oh, great yeah. game. Um, and then, so... Moving on from that, uh, then you get into the Sunday night, and I honestly thought Iowa was, was going to pull this off. However, there was a different circumstance there. Oh, come on. What? I hate I hate this sometimes on this <laughs> app. It just doesn't give you all the – let me go to ESPN. Um, Caitlin Clark still had a good game. She'd still scored over 30 points. Yeah, she Paige, did. 30 points, eight assists, two rebounds, play 35 minutes. Thank so. you. Uh, we've been trying to avoid this where we're a little more prepared on this, but I'm getting held up because here, I, got it right I had here. it pulled up. So Sorry. three seed LSU beat two seed Iowa, 102 to 85. Uh, on Iowa, it was pretty much Clark. And then the next closest Three people to her had 13, 12, 13. LSU, on the other hand, you had Williams with 20, Reese with 15, Morris with 21, Carson with 22. And then, I mean, LSU just, uh, this is the second game that I watched all of because uh, it is nice to know men or women's sports, the officiating will always be absolute dog shit. Like Mm -hmm. the officiating in this game was on par with some of the worst officiated, especially championship games I've ever seen in my life. Like I would agree with why that. the fuck in all sports is the officiating the absolute worst in the most important games? Like, is it because you just don't give a shit when it's bad officiating in like less important games and you care so much more when it's championship games? I wasn't a fan of either of these teams. Like I'm not, Uh, Even on the men's side, I'm not really into LSU or Iowa just as schools or programs. But as a as not a fan of either, I could uh, what is it side with either team talking about how shit like their team calls were. Granted, though, it was still pretty even on that. It was 18 fouls for uh, LSU and 19 for Iowa. The big issue, though, was Iowa had two players foul out which yeah. was was a big thing. Um but I want to talk about this and did you what's your take on uh on Reese doing the whole I got the ring thing, I got the ring thing to Caitlin Clark. I'm fine with it. She Me too. Her ass got I mean if the second you win or you're kicking the other team's ass like they had the chance to stop you. They had the chance to win. Now right. you're oh, you open yourself up to whatever fucking the other team wants to say. So here is here was my take on it because people ask me. You know, I was obviously at the bar. They're like, "Ooh, what's your take on that controversy going with with uh, with Reese and uh, Clark?" And I was like, "I'm fine with it." The only thing that I didn't like was, and this is more an officiating thing, was Reese was doing it still with like five minutes to go and was getting in her face. Yeah, you can't. That's taunting. That should be a technical foul. You can't do that in the middle of a game 
if it was like 30 seconds and you're doing it, the game's already over. You're up by X amount of points, you know, 15 points, then you're fine. But she was still doing it with like five minutes to go. There should have been, in my opinion, some sort of taunting technical foul on that. That's my opinion. Obviously. No, no, I agree. I agree with you. I think but, the only issue people had with it, well, obviously, now this is what I hate about like the culture at large is when shit like this happens. Because obviously, like as sports fans, we've seen this kind of shit all the time, right? We watch so much football and NBA. I fucking love the uh I believe it was Patrick Beverly like a week ago when LeBron James fucked up or I think he blocked a shot or something and he was doing like the you're too small on the court and like taunting yeah. him. I love all that stuff. I always like the Tyree okay. Hill like peace sign when he outruns people. It's sports. It's not like it's not like wrestling okay. or movies right. that's, where it's no, playing, that's, that's fine. Right? You do it so you do it once like during something that's fine, but well, no, it was the I'm consistent saying, thing. I'm saying with her thing is there were so many people comparing what Clark did in the previous game where she just did like the John Cena, you can't see me, or she like waved well, no, off she was taunting, the, yes. Clark, the woman Clark at the, the three-point line. Yeah, which, but then again, because our culture is so fucking dumb, it becomes like a whole thing of like, this is a black player getting shit on. This is a white player getting okay, which again we don't give a shit about, right? I'm fine with all of it. Do all of it. I agree with you. The The length of time she went to do it in the middle of a live game, that is one of those things where, I don't know if she should have got a technical, but maybe at you- At least talk to, get, just be like, hey, like yeah. you've done this for like two minutes straight now after every every rundown. And you know what the funny thing is, though? Reese wasn't even the star of that game for LSU. Yeah. Uh, it was Jasmine Carson. She was seven for eight for field goals and five for six from behind the arc. She had 22 points. She led her team with points. She was the best player on that team with a rebound and assist 100%. And she came off the bench. So, yeah, like Reese, you, you stole the highlight. Or you stole the, the spotlight over Carson. She had the great game, but I found it funny. And people I were like, too. I laughed when people, I saw it. People were like, oh, well, you know, that that's crazy to do. And I was like, well, Clark was doing the same thing as you were saying, the John Cena thing, going the up after the game, the like, three to the point fans, line. like, look at me, I'm I'm killer. Yeah. Um, but yeah. This, this shit is all good for sports, especially college basketball, the especially women's college basketball, because now you have what? You have a great team in LSU with one notable moment being you know they won the championship and the taunting and all that kind of shit so that makes headlines then you have Clark who is doing shit we've never seen before in I mean in college basketball period right like she's breaking records on the men's and women's side so this is good for women's college basketball but it's just good for basketball yeah well, good for college basketball, especially because of mm-hmm. how, uh, and this is my question to you, Casito, for men's and women's college basketball, is the way the rules are set up where I believe in women's college basketball, you have to play three years 
in college before you can go to the pros of the WNBA. Whereas NBA used to be one year. Now they got rid of it. You have a bunch of guys like Wembenyama just like playing in the G League or overseas. So they're not even going into college basketball. Do you think maybe at the moment or potentially in the future, college basketball on the women's side can be more popular and a better product than college basketball on the men's side? Um, I would say better product, yes. I can see that, better product for sure. Um, the, there's just, as the years go on um, and things being more accessible for women's sports as you're going on and and the players getting better and better as years go on, I can see the product being better because you're going to actually have the superstars of the uh NC uh, women's NCAA um, and then the, you know, the high school players going straight into the G league or overseas or whatever for the NBA. Yeah. The issue is, is are they going to be able to get the rights, the TV rights to be more popular? So like, I don't think it's the the question of being like, is it going to be more popular? I don't think so because the vast majority of people are still going to want to watch the men's sport play but will the better product, better games? I mean, shit, like we said, the South Carolina-Iowa game was just one of the better college basketball games I've watched all, yeah. all season. Especially the story, the electricity of that environment, like the oh, yeah. storylines going into it. Like, yeah, no, I can that was all, I can def- all fantastic. I can definitely see it. I could definitely see the product being better, but not any more popular than it is now. Maybe a little bit, but... You still have to get well, your eyes. You have still have to get eyes on it, and people are just not going to watch it as well, much as interesting, they should. Interestingly enough, on the men's side, the final four was we had San Diego State University, FAU, Miami, UConn. Out of those four, what maybe UConn would be the closest to a basketball powerhouse, right? Like oh, right. in terms no. of like appeal, right? But one hundred percent. On the women's side, I mean, you had what? You had LSU, Iowa, both pretty big schools. Like, I mean, most people would know who don't know college football or college basketball or just colleges in general. Most of them would know what LSU is, right? Like, my mom would recognize LSU, right? I feel like, to a lesser extent, Iowa, but still Iowa. (laughs) And then, uh, what is it? (laughs) And then South Carolina, uh, Virginia Tech are kind of in that same, like, I don't know if you would really know those colleges, but still the two teams in the finals, I feel like were more recognizable to people outside of the sports world than especially San Diego State and UConn. Like, so I don't know. I don't know, Casino. It was a good sports weekend for college basketball. Because that, I mean, mean, that Iowa. 30 minutes on that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Iowa, South Carolina, and San Diego State, FAU. Those were fucking great games. Great games. But now that we've talked about college uh, basketball, it's time to talk about professional basketball casino because... Great segue. Thank you so much. The Mm -hmm. NBA at the moment, I believe their last games, and I will double check this right now, their last games are Sunday... And then the playoffs start with the play-in tournament. Yes, it is Sunday. 
last game is i believe at noon and then i don't know when the playing tournament starts am i i'm looking right now uh i don't know i don't know but at the moment we're going to talk <laughs> about what the play-in tournaments i think it starts on thursday maybe wednesday thursday for the play-in tournament itself but i can't find it anywhere here i know the oh here we go game the game ones of the tournament start tuesday april 11th so the play-in tournament at the moment has these potential matchups so obviously the play-in tournament has the seventh eighth ninth tenth seed playing each other to get basically into the playoffs so at the moment for the eastern conference championship or for the eastern conference play-in tournament it would be the number 10 chicago bulls at the number nine toronto raptors and then the number eight atlanta hawks at the number seven miami heat on the west side we would have Number 10, Oklahoma City Thunder at the number nine, Minnesota Timberwolves. And then the number eight, New Orleans Pelicans at the number seven, Los Angeles Lakers. So uh, in the Eastern Conference, however, the Brooklyn Nets are the sixth seed and they are one and a half games ahead of the seventh seed with, I believe they have three games left. However, on the West side, the Clippers- The Clippers are the fifth seed with only one game ahead of the seventh. So the Eastern uh, games kind of feel set, like the Eastern Conference, that is. Those seeds kind of feel set. Uh, The top three seeds are definitely set. It's going to be Bucks, Celtics, Sixers, and then could a couple of the teams beneath them switch? Possibly, but I don't believe so. I believe the East is set. The West, however... The Lakers are surging. The Clippers beat the Lakers, but I feel like they haven't looked good besides that game. The Warriors are always a liability when they go on the road. So uh, the Mavericks tonight are trying to get into the play-in tournament in a must-win game. And like five of their star, all five of their starters are out, or I believe four of their starters are out. So it looks like the Mavericks just don't give a shit anymore. But uh, <clears throat> so the impress the games a lot of that talking. a lot of talking. Yeah, <laughs> the games that matter the most to the play-in tournament within the next three days, right? Because the season ends on Sunday. In terms of seeding, Knicks Pelicans tonight. So these are the Friday games: Knicks Pelicans, Bulls Mavericks, Suns Lakers. Because again, Lakers win they could potentially be the sixth seed and avoid the play-in tournament and just go straight into the playoffs, which if you're as injury-prone as ADR and as old and kind of beat up as LeBron James has looked at times. He's still playing well, yeah. You've got – you need to – You want to avoid those extra games. Yeah. 100% you do. I mean – Saturday is nothing. Do you still consider that? Do you still consider the play-in the playoffs? I do. I do as well. I do too. So I like don't with, know with how... the with the college ball when they added the, the 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 two games of the four extra teams and they're like it's the playing games to get into the sixty four and I'm like they still got it's called up to the dance games. like it's 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 yeah. still it's still a fucking playoff. I like Sorry. I like the playing games. I like the playing tournament, and I like that 
it hasn't necessarily stopped tanking in the NBA, but it's kind of made those teams that are like right on the verge of should we tank or should we try to get the last playoff spot? Now it gives them well, more incentive to try to just get this into is the my tournament. I see what you're saying, but this is my take on, and this is, I, I know you disagree with this, but I feel like with doing that, I hate tanking in general. Like any team yeah. that one is tanking on purpose and you could tell they are, they should be 100% fined. They should, uh-huh. they, they should. Um, so I don't like that, but I think there's, I mean, there's 15 teams in each conference and two thirds of the teams make it in every conference. I don't like that. I think it's too many. I've told I, you that you've, you've defended it. You. Oh, whoa. You're changing your tune on that. Cause I remember in, in our group chat with the, with all the guys at one time, I was just like, what's, what's the point? Like, it doesn't matter until the playoffs because, oh, I mean, everybody says that, but it doesn't matter in the playoffs because everybody makes the playoffs. I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. it, two thirds of the teams in the NBA make the postseason. This is what makes, and this is why we've talked about it. Um, I don't, or in the NFL, I like when it's smaller teams. When they added this extra wild card, I didn't like it. I don't like yes, that. It either. almost gave. I agree. It almost gave my 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 team a shot in the playoffs, but it, it's pointless. It's pointless in my. You you're either a good team or you're not a good team, and this will keep games exciting later on down. You could, I guess you could say the same thing with like the planes, like they're they're trying, but I, I don't like that. I, I'd rather teams really fight throughout the regular season to make regular season games interesting, and you're not just going to go pay money to maybe see your players because they have the choice of not playing pretty much the day of. I don't like that. It it, it makes the entire regular, one of the reasons why I don't like NBA as much as you do, I'll still watch it, but it takes away the entire regular season. I can't, I just can't stand it. Now I will. So I don't like, because at the moment you're right. At the moment, uh, in the Eastern Conference uh, standings, you pretty much have 15 teams there. Ten of them are vying for a playoff spot because the Bulls at number 10, if they win the play-in tournament, they're in. But it's single elimination games. It's not a best-of series. So I feel like that makes it more exciting and makes it so... uh, It makes it more exciting, but it also makes it where it's kind of like the NFL playoffs where not the best team wins. It's kind of just the team that was hot at that right moment, right? Because we've seen, especially in the NFL, we've seen a team be a wild card team and then just blow through the first and second seed and then win the playoffs. I'm thinking of like the Giants and shit like that, right? But where I will defend it is it does get more fan bases to it gives more fan bases hope and keeps them watching longer because their team has a better chance than if we just said okay first top six seeds top seven seeds in each conference you go to the playoffs and then I feel like that would make the regular season less okay well I mean competitive I I see I see what you're saying there but then I'll I'll back at my reasoning with this is what so like the NHL, you have half the teams in every conference go. It's yes. eight of the sixteen make it. But you know what? I like it's 
there's what I like about it is it's so cutthroat in the NHL that compared, in my opinion, to the NBA that. I don't know. I just like I just like how it plays out better. I just so I here, don't know. So for the NBA, now I will say this argument other years you would have more weight to your argument, right? Because usually there's such a chasm between the elite teams in this league in terms of like the ones at the bottom. However, this year there's not a great team there is a bunch of good teams and there's a bunch of teams that are like right Rock at the, the cusp. Boat teams. Uh, yes. A lot of teams that are right on the cusp of if a couple games would have went differently, they're either one of the better teams or one of the worst. Right. Yeah. So this year, for example, in the Eastern conference, you have the three clear standouts in the East, which are Buck Celtic Sixers, right? That's been like that for, minimum since November, right? Where these three have been the elite in the East. Now you get from four to 10 and you're starting with the Cavaliers at 51. So you know what? I'll throw them in with the Sixers, Celtics, Bucks, because they're the 450 win teams. So when you get to five, between five and 10, only nine games separate these seeding, these teams in terms of seeding. So you have the Knicks at 47, but then when you get to the Nets, Heat, Hawks, Raptors, Bulls, only five games separate them. So again, one buzzer beater here, one missed shot there. The difference between Chicago being 38 and 46 and... Or I'm sorry, 38 and 42 and being 44 and 36 is literally four games to go from the 10th seed to the sixth seed. So that's why I am a, a fan and in favor of the plan tournament because not all the teams get in there, but right below the Bulls, you have the Pacers who have lost four more games. They've, uh, they've, uh, their record is 34 and 46. Then you have the Wizards, Magic Hornets, Pistons. So you have a clear divide from the teams that are good and the teams that are bad, right? And that divide, almost in both conferences, it luckily stops right at like 10. And then I think in the West, it stops at 11. So this year, I agree with you with other years, but this year might be the outlier and the example that you would use to counter the argument of too many teams get in the playoffs because this year it's like we have a bunch of average teams. We're putting them in the play in tournament. And then one of those average teams is going to catch fire, be, you know, semi hot and then be like, maybe they can upset somebody in the second round because like you, I count the play in as the playoffs. Right? So it's like, if, if the Bulls come out of this and then they're playing what I believe they would be playing the second seed. So they'd be playing the Celtics. Like if the Bulls just go rough shot through the play in tournament, and then it's like they're playing the Bulls in a five game series. What if that series is two, two, right? If you're going into the, the, the fifth game and you're like, Hey, maybe the Bulls have it. And I just think that's a real, especially I uh, I'm using the East as an example, but especially in the West, like if the Lakers 
are in the play-in tournament and currently at the moment they're seven so they could be couldn't be but let's say it's the mavericks the mavericks are the 10th team they win the play-in tournament and then they're playing the grizzlies and it's the mavericks grizzlies in a five-game series would anybody be shocked if all of a sudden Luca and Kyrie just go off for three out of the five games and beat them? Like, I think there's examples and precedents only specifically this year to back up like the playing tournament is a great idea. It adds more fans because more teams are in it and it makes you a fan longer because we both love the NFL. And we both love the NBA and we both love Major League Baseball, all the professional sports. But you love those sports more when your team is in the mix of it longer, right? Like, That's, all right. In my life, I guess, I guess, I guess the, the okay, I get, I get what you're saying. I guess where I'm at is I, two things. I just made like NHL better than NBA. That might be just the main thing <laughs> yes. about it. But also, I like hockey player mentality over the NBA mentality because they're always fighting. No team is ever noticeably tanking in NHL. Maybe I just like that better. I like competitive play. I'd much rather see that than, you know, players like, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm not going to play. I've I've tweaked my hammy. I tweaked my hammy. I'm not going to go play. Um and that's I, honestly, because they're trying to tank. I, I honestly, I don't like the whole tanking thing. And I see it more in, visibly. I see it more in the NBA than I do the NHL. Um, I think that's my take on why one reason yeah. why I might like it better. I do think tanking has become less of a topic in the NBA since we saw things like uh, the the inclusion of the play in tournament. But I also think it goes back to the college basketball uh, argument, which is I also think tanking is less relevant now because we don't have the kind of stars coming out of college basketball that we used to, where it was like, Oh my God, we saw three, four, two, one years of this guy just lighting it up in college. Like this guy could be the next one this year again is an outlier because we have Wembin Yama, but the past couple years, it's been like, I mean, we're, uh, uh, we live in Las Vegas. Like I remember the year where, who was the one guy who got drafted number one overall by the, from UNLV. What was his name? Uh, Anthony, Anthony Bennett. Anthony Bennett. It was like one hundred percent. Those <laughs> he should never have gotten picked number one. Well, overall. he literally it's... got picked number one because there was like no other options. There was nobody else good coming out, and they were just kind of like, "I guess we'll pick him." And everybody he had, he had asthma, and he was overweight, and he had back issues. Yeah, and all the the analysis <laughs> and draft guys were like. You have to pick him because there's nobody else, but I wouldn't pick him if I had the number one pick. So it's like I mean, it was kind of like Zion it was kind of like the Zion situation with him. Like Zion's still good, but like he was an over he's overweight. It hurt, you know, it's hard for him to play in the NBA. And yeah, that was kind of a thing with Bennett. It was he was just big one though, was he had asthma, like yeah, bad. Well, at least with Zion, asthma. it was like there's potential for him to be 
a thing we've never seen before, right? Which is what the Wembenyama talk is, where it's like, this guy, I'm sure you saw the viral clip of Wembenyama shooting the three, and then it bounces off the rim. He gets his own rebound and then slam dunks it. And the collective basketball world went fucking crazy. Rightfully, they should, because we've never seen something like that. But again, with a guy like Zion, he has a specific body type where it's like there's a lot of there's a lot of risk slash reward here where it's like Zion can be great when he's healthy and given the time to be great. We've seen it in the NBA. Only issue is he can't stay fucking healthy because of the body type and the type of play they do in the NBA, which is what Wenganyama is. Right. The issue with him is he's so fucking tall scouts or his agent is literally lying to teams and saying he's shorter than he actually is because he's so tall that there's not a precedent for somebody being that tall and not just being injury prone in a mess. But that was a tangent. Well, I mean, side note. I, I, the wife was coming back in uh, from her little detour today. Um, you didn't mention Taco Fall, right? Oh, well, I mean, that's a, no, that, yeah, that, that, I that, not, yeah, that's I was gonna say, I, just, just a, yeah. yeah, Taco Fall. I mean, you see him and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, he's, he's a Yao Ming kind of player. He's just gonna stand in front under the basket and just go, bloop, bloop, bloop. yeah. But you ever try to watch him walk or run down the court? He looks like a baby giraffe that was just <laughs> born and he can't. Yeah. So. There's a, there's a point in the NBA where you're either too big or you're too tall, where it's just like the wear and tear is just gonna, Really fuck you up. But getting back to the playoffs now, we'll we'll have another show, I believe. I think I just said before the – so Tuesday is when the play-in starts, so we won't have another show. We'll have one after the play-in tournament has already happened. Or no, game three is on Friday, so we can talk about more the playoff seedings then when it's like set in stone. But at the moment – The West is wide open. Only in the West have really the Nuggets clinched the number one seed. Grizzlies, Kings, Suns. I don't, I think Suns are stuck in fourth, but Grizzlies, Kings could potentially switch. Uh, We just went through all the uh, plans for the West. However, I do want to talk about the East because a game both you and I watched was Celtics, Sixers, I believe on Tuesday. I think it was Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, one of those uh, days. Yeah. And it was, it was, I it believe was it was Tuesday. Tuesday, because I, I, I know who I watched it with at work with our regular. Yeah. Yep, it was Tuesday. So that was a great game, super concerning because Jalen Brown was not in that game. And the Sixers literally had to have a monster performance for Embiid where he went for 50. And they barely pulled out a win. So I'm nervous about that. I looked up and I was just like, how many times have the Celtics and Sixers played this season? Because I feel like they really haven't played as much as I think they have. They've only played four times this season, which uh, felt right to me because I feel like uh, 
but I haven't seen them really play against each other that much. So the Sixers this season, one and three against the Celtics, meaning the Celtics are were three and oh against the Sixers before that game. They barely lost, almost gave me a heart attack by winning it at the end. Uh, the Sixers Bucks are two and two, and then the Celtics are two and one against the Bucks. So I do think that when we get into the playoffs, the games or the matchups I'm looking forward to, I really want to see Cavaliers and Celtics because I think Cavaliers weirdly have the Celtics number. And then I want to see Heat Sixers because the Heat just fucking blew out the Sixers uh, yesterday. But that might have been because it was one of those games where Miami needed it. Sixers kind of, they're just kind of stuck there waiting for the playoffs to happen. I don't really think, unless you're like a play-in tournament team right on the bubble, like the Mavericks, as we talked about earlier, I don't really think the next three days really matters to most of these teams. And I don't think they have mattered for the past couple days, because everybody's kind of just waiting for the playoffs to start. So I'm not going to put too much stock in the type of games that have been played for the past week, because everybody in the East is kind of set in stone. Everybody in the West is within one or two games of each other, but there's tiebreakers, there's blah, 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 blah. So yeah, I just think the most, the three teams I think are going to be the most interesting to watch in the playoffs casino. I do think it's the Sixers because they've been one of the best teams since November, but Nobody kind of believes in them, and the Celtics and Bucks are better than them, but not by much. I don't know. And then you have the whole, is Embiid going to win MVP? I think he should, but my top three for MVP would be Embiid, Giannis, and then uh, Joker uh, for the Nuggets. So I, if any of those three guys win, I don't think you can – really poo-poo it or like pick somebody and like bullshit uh, blah 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 if anybody but those three wins then you can be like what the fuck is going on over I, here I, I hate you so much right now uh you did the poo-poo thing and that is yeah. rob parker's poo-poo he was that you never you never listen to the odd couple with chris bouchard uh chris bouchard and rob parker at all i do not i do no. really like chris bouchard though I like Chris Broussard a lot. I don't like I don't Rob know who Parker. Rob Parker is. Uh, so he's his co-host on that part. And not that I don't like him. He sounds like a great person, like for like two people. He sounds very genuine all the time. He's doing nice things for everybody all the time. But I don't like <laughs> his takes. He's a Tom Brady hater for no reason. He has just he's he's that like heel that is on the backside of every what everybody knows or like knows is right. Or a player is good, or this situation, a team. So blah, he's blah. a sports, he, he's a sports he, radio host. Yeah, he's a sports radio host. Be. He for for um, um, oh my gosh, Fox Sports. I mean, their show's really good. I like it, but he always says "poo poo poo poo." Like that's his way of saying bad. And you said it just like huh. him, so I thought that was a reference to him. Oh, that was honestly not. That's Sorry, how I but say that, that was that was my tangent on that. We're good. <laughs> I mean, everything but, that I hear about him, he, he's an absolute phenomenal guy. So if he ends up listening to this, I think you're great, but I don't like your takes on Brady. That's all. <laughs> um, so the other two teams I'm interested <laughs> in, Casino, are uh, both in the West. I think the Nuggets 
are have been the most consistent and best team in the West, but obviously they have what the Sixers do, which is we need to see you do something in the playoffs, right? Because we that's been the question. Yep. And uh, they are potentially going to get matched against, like if they go against the Lakers or the Warriors, two teams who always kind of turn it on in the playoffs, like there's going to be a ton, a ton of people, myself included, who might pick the Warriors or Lakers in a, you know, five, seven game matchup against the number one seed in the West. Well, it's 100% justifiable, man. I mean, there's the same thing with with NHL that we're going to get here too shortly is, like uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, that city can't get past the first or second round in playoffs, even though they're good teams. And even though they're a great team this year, it might be the same thing. So I just, I I totally get that where a a team just can't get past the hump. So just like that, the Nuggets can't get past the hump. Uh, We were playing with that earlier. Um, Sorry. Uh, They just can't get past the hump. And that's the Nuggets big issue. You know, that's, that's Djokovic's issue. Can he, get get into a second gear in the playoffs and he hasn't been able to show that um yeah and that's also the Harden issue that's the Russell Westbrook issue it's like a bunch of the big stars in the NBA have always had those question marks and this year we get to see if Joker or if Harden can maybe exercise some of those demons the third team I was gonna say the Lakers but I feel like now they're just everyone's picking the West and could I see it? Yes, but I don't know if I'm that confident that they're going to just blow through the West and just get to the finals. I do. However, I'm really curious to see what the Kings do in the playoffs. They're one of the top three worst defensive teams in the league, but they're the number one offense in the league, averaging, averaging 121 points a game which is fucking crazy. crazy. I, I told you, I forget that that's even a team. That is, that's literally, that is an insane number to average in a league and with players or with a team and with players that, like you said, most people, it's not even on their radar. Like even the Kings being a top three team in the West this year, you don't really hear that much about them because again, they're the Sacramento Kings who have been a nothing burger for 25 years at this point maybe 23 i believe so yeah but at the moment the only teams oh they've actually moved up substantially in the defensive rankings but yeah they're still one of the bottom teams in defense uh just team defense in the league so i'm really curious to see sixers nuggets uh Kings and then obviously kind of Lakers a distant fourth but that's pretty much it for NBA casino let's move over to NHL which they're about to start their playoffs I believe we discussed their season ends Monday 17th so yeah there's there's take it I think the Sabres have five games left Avalanche have five games left but one of those games for the Avalanche is a makeup game from uh from the past with same with the Buffalo Sabres. They were supposed to play one back in October or something like that. That got moved all the way to the end of the season. Um, so pretty much the playoffs are set with teams. There's only three. Uh, there's only three teams that have not three spots that have not been clinched. Um, it is both of the wild cards for the East and one of the wild cards for the West that have not been clinched. Everybody else is there. 
but it is extremely, extremely tight. I I was hoping coming into today that things would have started to spread out a little bit with three games to go, four games to go for some teams. But no, of course, there's still seeding that can just be completely thrown away or, you know, jumbled up here. Um, yeah. The easiest one, though, was the Atlantic. That one is that one's damn near set in stone. Uh, Bruins, obviously, are going to take the number one seed, um, 127 points, which, remember, I talked about. Let's let's discuss them real quick. Um, I talked about that they were very close to being able to make this, uh, uh, have the most points in a single season in, in NHL history. I said the Maple yeah. Leaves was going to be one if they came out. So the next big one is the Devils. After that, it's smooth sailing. So I... If if they win against the Devils, they're sitting golden. They they only have to get three points of the next six, or three points of six, and then it lasts three games, and they win they win the record against the Flyers, Capitals, and Canadians, which are all lower in the league. So if they win against the Devils after winning against the Maple Leafs, they're gonna they're gonna win that. So I think they're still gonna I think they're gonna make it happen. Um so then you have the Maple Leafs sitting second in that division, well, Lightning wait, third. Before what's up? Before we get off the Bruins, do if you have to put all of your money on either Bruins or the field at this moment before the playoffs start, would you still take Bruins? Um, let's man, um, that's tough. If I'm gonna say field, ooh, I'm gonna say field. Just who do you think be, in the east and then in the there's, west? There's, has the there's not going to be a blowout against the Bruins, it would go to a seven game series. Who do you think in the uh, east? Give me one team in the east, one team in the west, you feel like have the best potential to uh upset the Bruins to upset the Bruins, yes, in the playoffs. So if they're the favorite, it'd pretty much be one team in the east or one team in the west you think can beat them in the playoffs. Uh, the easier ones can be in the East. I think the Canes. I think the Hurricanes can do it. Um, they're sitting at 109 points, top of the Metro. I think the Canes could beat the Bruins. Um, there's also, you have, if the Bruins and Maple Leafs end up having to play each other, Bruins have had the Maple Leafs number for years and years and years. I really think that that might be a thing. Uh, and then, so the team in the West, oh, man. Um it's crazy that the defending defending Stanley Cup champions, the Avs, they've been on rolling on a tear right now. Um, the Stars, remember a while back, I picked them to be like the number one out of the West. They had some injuries recently that they've been trouble overcoming. Um, oh man, I still think if the Golden Knights can figure out their goaltending a little bit, Brossois has played actually quite well. He works well under Bruce Cassidy's system. I still like the Golden Knights to beat the Bruins. Reason being is they're, they split with them in the year, but the Golden Knights have played really well against the East this year, better than any team in the league um, on the West side, uh, playing against the top four teams against in the East. I like their style of play. Bruce Cassidy is coached against those teams with the Bruins. He has taken the Bruins to the Stanley Cup. He's made the playoffs every season as a head coach over there. He knows how to play well against the East teams. I still like that. Uh, the Oilers are great, but the Oilers, 
somebody brought that up to me. Oh, the Oilers, they could beat the Bruins because their scoring is great. Yes, but their goaltending is really bad. And you still have mm. you still have that offensive powerhouse of Boston. They can tic-tac-toe and score against you. It's very easy for them to do. Uh, the Kings' defense is good, but I don't think they have the same scoring power as um, as the Bruins would. So I would either say the Knights, if they can figure out their goaltending, but the Avs have definitely jumped in the Central, um, and they're currently leading the Central over the Stars. So that's where I could go with that. Um, so going back over to the to like kind of the seeding right now, the top three of the Atlantic pretty much set. The top three in the Metropolitan, though, um, Rangers are pretty much, they got that three three spot locked in. They're multiple games behind the Devils. They're not going to catch them. Um, but the Canes, they do have a game in hand against the Devils, and they're up a point. So that one's pretty close to being set, those top three as well, the Canes, Devils, Rangers. But this is where it's fun. As I said, both wildcard team, both wildcard spots for the East with three, four games to go have not been clinched yet. That's crazy. Hmm. So the between the Panthers, Islanders, and Penguins, all of playing 79 games, they all have three games to go. Um, the Panthers and Islanders are tied at 89 points, and the Penguins are at 88 points. Absolutely phenomenal. Wild finish coming here um, in the next three games, the next week and a half, uh, less than a week and a half. Uh, no, week and a half. Yeah, it's in a week and a half. Um Nope, not week and a half week because it ends on the 15th. Um, so, yeah, it is it is absolutely wild on what that's going to happen. I don't know who's going to pick those last two spots up for the wild card in the East. Um, regardless, whichever teams make the wild card spots, the Bruins, the Canes, they're going to take care of them. It's not really going to be much of an issue for them. Um, so that's that's going to be pretty much done. Um it, it, it'd be nice for their club to make the playoffs and to have to do a seven-game series that they get four extra games because they're probably going to get sweeped. So that's what it is. Um, and then now over on the West, that's where it's even more wild. Yes, you have seven of the eight spots locked up, and you have the one wild card. We'll start there that is still up for grabs. Um, the Jets, the Flame, and the Predators – are all fighting for that last spot. So I know you're, you and I are Golden Knights fans. Um, the Predators game didn't go kind of how we wanted it to, but the Preds are fighting for a playoff spot. Um, the, the Predators have 89 points uh, with a game in hand to the Flames, uh, but the Jets also have a game in hand against the Flames, but they're both sitting at 89 points. So again, separated by one there is a little bit of a difference on, um, you know, a one game difference, but that is pretty, pretty difficult to tell who's going to come out of that because they've all been playing really strong towards the end of the season. Um, each last team, uh, those, those three teams, six and four, six, three and one, five and five. So they're at least 500. Um, the Kraken, they are the number one seed. Uh, number one wild card. Rephrase that. They have that locked up. Uh, there's no chance that they're going to get into the top of the Pacific. Uh, there is a chance, but with how the Oilers, Kings, and Knights have been playing, there's just no way. 
Um, so we'll start there. Golden Knights, they did beat the Kings, which was the big circle game for the last month with how well the Kings have been playing since the All-Star break and the Knights. The Knights have been just on an, an absolute tear, but Kings have not been away. And then the Oilers crept in by just absolutely dominating teams with high-scoring performances. Um, so the Knights are sitting up there with 106. Oilers got 103. And the Kings are at 100. Both, all of them have played uh, 79 games, meaning they have three games left. Not worried about the Kings anymore as a Knights fan because of that matchup uh, that they had the other day uh, or last night. The Oilers, still a game and a half up on them. Um, so we'll see. I think the Knights are going to end up taking that number one seed. Things kind of played off nice there. Um, however, in the Central, you still have that number one seed up for grabs. Uh, the Avalanche and the Stars are both at 100 points. I think the Avs are going to take it. Like I said, the Stars are a little injury prone right now. I've uh, been taking a few hits. Uh, the Avs, they still have five games to go. Um, they still have five games to go. Plus, they have that makeup game that they'll be playing um, the day, the last day of the season um, in a week from now. So, yeah, I think the Avs are going to wrap up number one in the Central, beat the beat out on the Stars, beat out on the Wild. But you never know. They're only separated by two points, those three teams. So the seeding is really tough to kind of say who's going to play what in the first matchup. Um, but especially over in the West, kind of like the West in the NBA. Um, it's kind of where we're sitting with that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anything else I, to – I don't know on the NHL, no. Again, it's so it's so tough to talk about the NHL when I don't know who's yeah who's going to be where with with three games to go, four games to go. There is still a potential that there's still the potential of like ten different seed changes in the last three games, roughly. It's absolutely. I'll tell insane, you what. So I don't know. We picked we picked a great sports year to start a podcast. With uh, how good the NFL was, and then now with the NBA and NHL just coming down basically to the wire for basically every team, you know, seeding or or uh, not really a great team, I guess. In the NHL, the Bruins are a great team, but like mm-hmm. everybody kind of just feeling but like I they're can see in them the being mix. upset. Yeah, yeah, uh, but. We were going to talk about the Masters. Do you want to do a quick, like, two-minute rundown of interesting uh, shit from the Masters Casino? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's not too much about it. Um, so the Masters, my kids, <laughs> happy birthday. birthday today in uh, the, the last few things with the Masters, um, I'm going to pull it up here. Uh, let you know where everybody is currently. Why is it being dumb? So Brooks Kepka. Um, Currently, he's finished for the day. He went minus five for the day. He's sitting at minus 12, which is three above uh, John Ram, who's minus nine. But he's only through nine. The big thing is, though, today there has been a rain delay. They started again. Rain delay again. That's where it's less, last less left off. Um, I think they're going to have to do it where they push back and they'll have to finish. The Masters will actually end on Monday. They'll have to continue the second round tomorrow. Um so where I'm kind of looking is last I saw is the cut is at plus two uh, projection projected cut line. For those of you who don't know, that means 
everybody that is plus three or lower because in golf it's different the higher plus you are means you're doing worse off the lower you are you're doing good so plus three on is going to be cut uh currently tiger woods is tied for 50th at plus two he's through 11 uh through 11 today um so he's right there on the cusp i know everybody wants to know about tiger so throwing that out there um (laughs) but brooks kepka he's been looking fantastic today like i said he um yesterday he posted a seven under today he's posting a five under or he posted a five under which two really good days playing in augusta um the fun one that i like to talk about uh is uh kistner one of the kevin kistner one of the golfers in the par three contest earlier uh earlier this week just a fun little tidbit on that they do a par three contest um on one of the last holes on in the masters uh it's a par three that's famous and they always do a par three contest um beautiful shot lands behind the hole starts to roll back and it lips out it lips out of the hole and he misses hole in one on that grabs his hat throws it on the ground and the fun thing they do with this is like they're if you have kids and whatnot like they put them in like the caddy family that wants to be there put them in caddy uh, uniforms. And so the kid goes out there with his little plastic putter and puts it in. And when he makes the putt, he throws his putter down in frustration. (laughs) So his father like son, which is, which is pretty solid. Uh, I found it absolutely hysterical. Um, Yeah. My dog going off. Yeah. So last thing we're going to talk about today, it was, uh, really big news in the world of sports as well. That's kind of being like underreported because it's kind of one of those things where like, what does it mean? Which is the company Endeavor has purchased the WWE, which they already own the UFC. So now the UFC WWE are under the same roof and they're going to be, they're kind of being packaged as like the best in, sport in combat sports the best in combat entertainment which obviously wwe is a scripted i hate the word fake because those guys really do get like fucked up in wrestling but they are a now sports entertainment slash combat sports entity and i don't know just the What I think this means, well, first off, what this means is the WWE was valued at over $9 billion, which is fucking insane, but they were valued at over $9 billion. Vince McMahon is back. As of Monday night, there's reports that he is now back as head of creative, which is a job he hasn't held for about a year. Yeah, and guess what? It's gotten better. No. I'm sorry. Uh, Guess what? (laughs) Uh, happened on Monday was they had a three-hour show with a total of 33 minutes of actual wrestling on it. So on a wrestling show that lasts three hours, they had 33 minutes of wrestling on it, which is a departure from when Triple H, his real-life son-in-law, was in charge of creative, and there was like two hours of wrestling per show. So now the rumors and speculation and things flying out of there is 
will Triple H be leaving the company? His real life wife, Stephanie McMahon, the the real life daughter of Vince McMahon, already left the company. His real life son, Shane McMahon, left the company. So will his son-in-law, who was basically running the creative side of WWE for the past year, it had never been a better product since, you know, the Attitude Era in terms of ticket, merchandise, television ratings, fans being like, this is a really good show. The crazy thing is you had WrestleMania, which is their big Super Bowl event on Saturday and Sunday. The Saturday show, absolutely fantastic. The main event of Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn versus the Usos. What It was the epitome of what makes wrestling great, which is storyline, bad guys you hate, good guys you love. You want to see the bad guys lose. You want to see the good guys win. You want to see a moment. I'm not afraid to admit it. The end of that show had me crying like a little bitch. It was a great moment, great doesn't culmination take much, though, of the story. For you. I mean, that's not saying much because I cry at everything. But that was how effective I've cried very few times. I cry a lot in movies. I've cried very few times in wrestling. I think only like three times. This was one of the times. Just great moment. And then night two was fucking weird. They had some weird choices and all the match results. Like most of them felt like, really? That guy was the so one So are we going to run through the matches and you're going to let me know what I did right and wrong off of random picks? Um. Well, I think so. I don't think I wrote down all of them. You said. Nah, it's all I, good. I'm actually, I actually think you won because you picked. Uh, the only ones we picked differently, uh, yeah, you won. So way to go, Casino. I'll take that. You picked, uh, you picked Roman Reigns to win, and I was like, no way, Cody Rhodes. It's the story's been leading that way, and then Roman Reigns did in fact win. So that one, you picked Brock Lesnar winning. Uh, yeah, all these, all these picks, you actually won the wwe pick but last note on the actual ufc and wwe merger is i've been reading a bunch of stuff and listening to a lot of videos about it and they say these type of business deals you don't really see fundamental changes to you know the product or how it's advertised or anything like that for up to two years so this is definitely a long burn storyline, right? Not a, or no, I'm sorry, a slow burn storyline that's going to take a long time to kind of pan out. But funny enough, the only one who benefits from this appears to be the board of directors and Vince McMahon himself. Same thing that happened with UFC, where all the UFC board and big wigs and owners and CEOs and CFOs and all that kind of stuff, all of them got rich. And then coincidentally, all the fighters started being paid way less and not making a sh- like making shit in money. So interesting to see how that pans out in WWE because the shareholders, board members, Vince McMahon himself have all gotten filthy rich from this deal. Haven't really heard anything from the talent except they're all from reports. Most of them are kind of pissed off because obviously Vince McMahon has his That's why AEW is better. Yeah. Well, and then AEW's on the side of this kind of being like, now does this 
entity over here become the big, uh, big stomping grounds for all the wrestlers who are like, fuck what's happening with the corporatization of the WWE. Now, does AEW start landing bigger names? There's, uh, they've already landed a lot of big names. Well, yeah. And there's a report that somebody like Drew McIntyre apparently can't come to an agreement on a new deal. So if he went to AEW, that'd be a huge signing for them. And yeah, the wrestling wars are heating up uh, when there's really not a war because WWE was valued at almost $10 billion, which is fucking insane. That's an insane number. But They're about to get cable rights, cable deal. I just don't want the big thing to come out of this. I don't want the wrestlers to be screwed. And I don't want to be paying $80 again for wrestling pay-per-views on. uh, It's going to happen. On ESPN Plus. Oh, it's definitely going to happen. And this is uh, the sign right here that it is. My my sign was a half hour ago. (laughs) Yeah. So. He's whispering a secret in my ear. Uh, This has been the Only Sports Podcast. I'm Will. That's Casino over there. Hi. This is my young child. Uh, Mine's over here. Yeah. Have a happy Easter. And, yeah, we'll see you next week to talk about the play-in games, talk about the NHL playoffs finally being set in terms of standing. (laughs) And, yeah. All right. Adios, Casino. Bye. That's you. Yeah. That's you. That's you. That is.